worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What happens when you hear a ghost story so scary you never drink alcohol again? And then we travel back to the Victorian era with world-famous conspiracy theorist Hans Wormhat to investigate his newest claim. Steampunk was real. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend. We've got a ton of stuff to cover, so let's go ahead and get started right now. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command as a longtime Patreon supporter, longtime creator of Dead Rabbit Radio fan art, and just overall longtime supporter of the show. Everyone, give it up for Robert Paulson. Yeah, woohoo! Come on in! Come on, <laughs> come on, that's the worst. I love that name, Robert Paulson, but it's such a depressing character from Fight Club. Robert Paulson, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show, I totally understand. It just helps spread the word about this show. You have no idea how much that means. Now, Robert Paulson, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the dead rabbit dirgeable. But before we take off, let's take a look at what you see in this photo for today's episode. Robert Paulson was so entertained by my episode, The Hay Hook, where I tell a story about how I used to carry around a hay hook. I used to use a hay hook. It's a long story. I'll put it in the show notes. You're like, what? what? What's going on? This is my first episode. I'll put it in the show notes. It's a fantastic episode. I used to use a hay hook when I lived out in Sacramento. I didn't bale hay. Spoiler alert. And... I, I I ended up losing the hay hook. I ended up not having it anymore. But Robert Paulson made me a new one. Look at this. I know the photo's just of it embedded in the wood, but that is a fully functional hay hook that he actually forged himself. In the fires of Mount Doom, apparently he made the hook, he made the handle, and he made the giant piece of wood. He says it looks like a rabbit ear, and, and I would concur. With the quote... The key to winning every single fight is to not get in them in the first place, which I said, apparently, I mean, I believe it. I understand believe it, I, but I was like, oh, that's a really cool quote. I wonder who said it. And he's like, you did on the episode, The Hay Hook. So thank you so much, Robert Paulson. What an amazing gift. I have a policy, and this is a policy I followed for years and years and years. I never, ever take photographs of any of my weapons, ever. There's never any photographs of bats or knives or chains or bric-a-brac or whatever. It is a rule I follow. I never take photographs of my weapons. But this here is more of a work of art. However, you you should well know that it's right next to where I do all my work. So if I do get surprised, someone may get a hay hook in their head. It might hopefully never be used as a weapon. But what a fantastic awesome birthday present. Robert Paulson, now let's all board the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Fly us all the way out to Alaska. 
Specifically, we're headed out to Sitka, Alaska. Tiny little town in Alaska. I don't know, it might be a booming metropolis for all I know, but I looked at it on Google Earth. It didn't look that much of a jumping place. It looked like a, a rural town. In Sitka, Alaska, we're looking for a place called Rookie's Corner, which appears to be a maybe a slang term for a certain road. I couldn't find it. Another source on this story specified the address. It's 1615 Sawmill Creek Road. That looks like it's in the middle of the forest. I actually pulled that up on Google Earth as well. I was like, uh, I don't know if the story took place deep in the woods. Uh, if you do decide to drive out there, you're not going to want to visit the story. This story is absolutely terrifying. But if you do, you might might want to just ask around. Don't just show up at a house in the middle of the woods being like, is there a ghost there? Because you might end up being the ghost soon enough. We're walking around Sitka, Alaska. We are just standing on the street corner, Rookie's Corner. And we're just kind of hanging out. It's cold. we got our mittens on and big jackets and stuff like that. And drinking like, some cocoa. Drinking some hot cocoa. And all of a sudden, we hear, oh, man, oh, that's not just me stretching. That's not just a 46-year-old man stretching. We hear it, and we're like, what? what? Where's that noise coming from? Oh, no, my body, my body. And we're like, what, what in the world's going? That, that was me. That was me actually stretching. I'm like, oh, aging, uh. We hear these moans and these cries coming from somewhere around us. We're looking around. Oh, where could that be? And we're eventually able to triangulate that these voices are coming from some bushes nearby. Like, right on the street corner. We're like, what? Oh, man, where are those voices coming from? And you try to stick your head in the bushes. I'm pushing you into the bushes and we'll find the source of that moaning. Uh. You're sticking your head in the bushes, and as you're trying to, like, check things out, a car drives by and almost creams you. And luckily, I, like, pulled you aside. Luckily, I was the one pushing you the bushes in the first place, so I had a good grip. And I pull you out, and I was like, bro, dude, can you believe that happened? I almost watched you die, but I saved you. I'm thinking, I was like, oh, that would have been a really cool ghost story. A podcast host makes his own ghosts. I was thinking about it. I was like, huh. But... I saved your life. I saved your life this time. You may not know what happens in the next episode. The what we're hearing is the terrifying death cries of a young woman. This is a really interesting ghost story. This is a really interesting one. Let's take a look at this. So apparently, back in the day, on Rookie's Corner, there used to be this really well-known bar. People would go in, hey, Johnny, give me a shot of whiskey. Glug, 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 glug. Oh, yeah, dude, that was pretty good. Give me another shot of whiskey. Glug, glug, glug. And people are, like, playing pool. I'm assuming, right? There's usually pool at bars. People are walking around drinking beers. They're having a good time. And in this bar, we're going to meet this young woman. We don't have her actual name. We don't have a time period for when this story took place. Some people say it took place in the 1800s. But considering one of the key elements is, is a truck is a truck, I don't think that... Well, maybe Hans Wormhat would disagree in the next story, but they didn't have pickup trucks in the 1800s. There's this young woman, we're going to call her Maggie. And she's walking around the bar. She's like, oh, dude, I love being drunk so much. She's shooting back whiskey and uh, everyone else is drinking other stuff. I don't know. I don't go to bars that often. I'm not a drinker myself. Whiskey, vodka, margaritas, they're all just drunk. This is a very popular bar in the area. For all I know, it's the only bar in the area. 
And it's a sports bar, too, so they would have pool and probably a bunch of television sets. Also a reason why this didn't take place in the 1800s. The football game's going on, people are watching boxing matches and all this stuff. It's a party. She's walking around, she's having a good time, everyone's having a good time, everybody's drunk. But now it's time for Maggie to go back home. Well, Maggie does the smart thing. She doesn't drive. She doesn't drive. However, she then does a, not a very smart thing. She decides to walk home drunk. And she's she's ten sheets to the wind. That's the term, right? Like, she's done. She isn't just having a little buzz. She is slopping away out of the bar. Uh, she's just walking around just totally inebriated. And at Rookie's Corner, this place used to be called the Old Kicksotti Corner. And then it was the Rookie's Corner, because there was an old bar called The Kick, which is where the story took place, and then it became Rookie's Corner when a new bar took over. But she bursts through the doors. She's now walking through the cold Alaskan night. And right on the corner, there is this huge set of bushes that really makes it a blind corner. When cars are driving by, they can't see what's on the other side of those bushes. And when you're walking by those bushes, you can't see a car coming. So Maggie walks into the road. She's absolutely not thinking about anything. She's just trying to get home. And I mean, even if she was sober, this accident may have happened, but definitely it happened when she was drunk. She stepped out from behind the blind corner. A truck slams right into her, killing her instantly. And everyone sees this. Everyone standing outside the bar sees this pickup truck hit Maggie, slam into her, and she falls to the ground. She's a tangled mess of limbs laying there. The driver of the pickup truck, who was also drunk, jumps out of the truck and is looking at the battered body of Maggie laying there in the middle of the street. Everyone standing out on the corner are looking at her as well, and they're like, dude, she is done. Like, that car hit her going so fast, killed her instantly. That's what they thought. But Maggie, who should have been dead, and really, I mean, the physicians, I guess I guess the part I'm about to tell you is like, Jason, she wasn't dead. She was dead, but she was so drunk and so in shock and so... Out of reality, she had no idea what was going on. She stood up. She stood up on shattered legs. Her broken arms are kind of flailing in each direction, and she's still trying to walk home. She's continuing to make her way across the street, screaming out in pain. It's a horrifying sight. But she doesn't make it home. She makes it a couple more feet. She's walking around. Every All of her bones are basically bone meal at this point. And she's walking. She walks a couple steps. She's screaming. She's flailing her arms about. And then she falls dead on the street. Apparently, at least 100 people saw this happen. You had people already leaving the bar because they were getting ready to go to the after party. You had people outside the bar just drinking anyways. You had just the traffic in the area. And over 100 people saw this horrific event. They say to this day, if you go to Rookie's Corner, you can hear her screaming from the bushes. This phenomenon 
usually appears before dawn, like early pre-dawn hours. You can hear her wailing in the bushes, screaming for some sort of help. Help she would never receive. And that's terrifying enough. That's a scary enough ghost story. But then, this is an interesting added element to it. Not only can you hear her, some people see her. There have been reports of drivers coming down that road, and all of a sudden, a woman jumps out from behind the bushes, jumps out from that blind corner, and they see her dangling limbs, her shattered knees, her broken face, just standing there in the middle of the street, staring at them. They see her, they see Maggie standing there in the middle of the street, just staring at them. The only people who can see her, the only people who see this phantasm jump out from behind the bushes, are drunk drivers. And the, the story goes that when you see this, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I don't know if that's a real ghost or not. I've heard the legends. I'm a little too drunk. If it's not a real ghost, I'm definitely too drunk. Um, I, I'm always too drunk to drive a car. I'm just going to pull over and get a cab. Or walk. And be very safe about it. So the legend goes that only the drunk drivers in the area can see this ghastly phantom. A reenactment of her death? Or a warning to others? This is a super interesting ghost story. I loved coming across this one. A lot of these ghost stories, really, they all have elements of urban legends to them. Right, and unless we can verify them, unless we can actually go and and I'm not saying even verify them with seeing if we can pick up EVPs or temperature drops or stuff like that. I'm saying even verifying that the story itself exists. And a lot of these do. I could not find any proof that this story was real. Like I said, there was another source that said this happened in the late eighteen hundreds, which I don't know when Ford F one fifties were driving around back then, but this is one of those stories like I couldn't verify that a woman was actually killed on this street. And there are a lot of ghost stories where we can verify that there is a historical event or a particular crime that could have caused that ghost. We still don't know if the ghost itself exists unless we're there or unless we're looking at proof. But this story has that urban legend element. Urban legends are all about cautionary tales, right? If you're a babysitter... Be, be paranoid of everything. Don't answer your phone. Do half-hour sweeps through the house looking for anyone that is crazy trying to kill you. Uh, maybe maybe more than a half hour if you think there might be a maniac and you might not want to be like, oh, I heard a strange noise up there, but I was just up there five minutes ago. I'll wait 25 minutes. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these urban legends are cautionary tales. This one is the same thing where we have a ghost, but it teaches a good message, right? Don't drink and drive. It's not smart. You might kill somebody. But then if we just look at the ghost story itself, the idea of a phantom only appearing to a particular group of people. Drunk drivers. That's a really, really interesting piece of the puzzle. Because then it is, you know, the, the ghost moaning in the bushes, that is what we would call a recording of a ghost. Like a psychic event happened in an area, it scarred the area so much that now it's replaying on a loop. But the ghost appearing, but the ghost interacting with the real world, and the ghost only appearing to the group of people that would fall into the class of people that killed her, that, that's extremely rare. That's extremely rare. 
fascinating, fascinating look at a story. And who knows? I mean, like, again, it could have just been an urban legend. It could be 100% true. could be a blend of the two. But I'm sure that this legend in particular has saved lives. Whether it's told people, hey, man, you want another drink? They're like, nope. I have to drive home and I might see a bloody ghost. They're like, what? If it's just a story, then it would hopefully scare people away from engaging in such dangerous behavior. They're like, I'm just going to drive down another road. I can be drunk as a skunk as long as I don't drive down Sawmill Creek Road. But also, if the Phantom is only appearing to drunk drivers and getting them to stop and catch a cab, that is a direct interference with a horrible decision, right? Like, that's the ghost appearing to stop you from continuing drinking and driving. Very interesting story that it's having that level of effect on people. This is one of those stories, though, I would say, if you are a ghost hunter, don't don't reenact that part. You're like, I want to know if there's life after death. And you get drunk and you start driving around Sitka. Uh, I think it would be better off if you just caught an orb on film rather than try to reenact this. You're like, but I really want to see the ghosts. Robert Paulson, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Sitka, Alaska. Fly us all the way out to jolly old England. First off, I want to give a shout out to Patreon member Saint Strand. He's the one who introduced this story to me. So I always like to give you guys credit. Thank you so much, Saint Strand. And then we always got to give a little tip of the hat. A little tip of the hat to friend of the show. I'm sure he actually hates us. I'm sure. If you guys don't know, because it's been a while since I've done a Hans Wormhat episode. Hans Wormhat, he's the cutting edge of conspiracy theory. Like, I, as much as this guy is nuts, at the very least, if you're going to have to deal with nutty conspiracy theories, there at least should be some sort of originality to it. He's the guy who said, we'll put these episodes in the show notes. That monkeys don't exist. That was his biggest one. This is all kind of in the same episode. Monkeys don't exist. The color orange is satanic. Space is fake. It was one. That was one crazy episode. We covered another conspiracy theory of his. I don't remember it off the top of my head. It was in the episode Returns of Hans Wormhat, but I don't remember what it was. I do remember him saying, and I remember I was like, Hans Wormhat, I can't even cover this one. I mean, like, this is insane. He said that the slave trade never existed. The American slave trade never existed. I go, dude, there's slaves now, man. There's slaves today. There's slaves all over the world. He doesn't think that the transatlantic slave trade, that's the the term for it. He said it never existed because he showed a picture of a boat. And he goes, they tell you that they pushed a bunch of slaves onto the boat, as many as they could store. That's impossible. You'd have to stack them like wood. Yeah, dude, it was it was a slave boat. It was terrible. It's not like they all had their little accommodations and foot room. It was awful. And they were treated like property, so it wouldn't matter how much how comfortable they were. But anyways, so that was another one of his theories was that the transatlantic slave trade never existed. I don't even know how to extrapolate that out. He comes up with these crazy things, and most of them are what we call observation-based conspiracy theories. Flat Earth is one of those. If you look at the world in front of you, it appears to be flat. So it's an observational-based conspiracy theory. Monkeys aren't real. It's an observation-based conspiracy theory. He's looking at monkeys, and he goes, 
That's not real. <laughs> Basically, that's all he does is he looks at stuff and he just comments on it. His idea with that, is, he goes, if you look at old art, like if you look at old biology books where they just have drawings, those monkeys, uh, those drawings look different than the gorillas that you see today in the zoo. Now, it could be because of the guy who was walking around the middle of Africa who saw the gorilla had to come back and explain it to someone to draw it. I mean, that, that's the most logical answer. And he goes, no. They were trying to decide what a gorilla looked like. They didn't really work it out, and they didn't have all the animatronics. And the reason why monkeys aren't real, the reason why we're told monkeys are, are real, and every monkey you've ever seen is a man in a suit or a puppet, depending on the size of the gorilla or the chimpanzee or whatever it is, is so we don't believe in God. If there were no monkeys, then you wouldn't have a theory of evolution. I, I know, I'm sure you guys are pulling your hair out. If there's no monkeys, every other species on the planet, which he doesn't believe a lot of those are real either. He has a video, I haven't watched it yet, because I can only take so much. I can only take so much of Hans Wormat myself. The, the concepts are far more exciting than him telling them. Like, I think I'm having a little more fun telling them, and hopefully you're having a little more fun listening to this presentation. If you go to his videos, he goes, Hans Wormhat, monkeys aren't real. Here's a photo. That doesn't look real. See that? No, that's not real. Like, it's like 15 minutes of that. So I haven't been able to watch this video. Well, I've been able, I've had the time, I just haven't had the willpower. He doesn't believe penguins are real. He thinks penguins are fake. Is proof? The video, again, I haven't watched <laughs> Again, I haven't watched it, but the video, it, like the thumbnail, is from the behind-the-scenes of the movie Batman Returns, where Danny DeVito played the penguin. He's like, that guy's obviously not a penguin. He's on It's Always Sunny. It's a behind-the-scenes video for Batman Returns, and they were talking about the animatronic penguins they made for that movie. Why would we fake penguins? What does that have to do with denying the existence of God? Penguins aren't real. Slave trade's not real. He doesn't believe a bunch of stuff's real. I wonder what he thinks about dogs and cats, because then the observation falls apart, right? If he has a dog, could you convince him it was a puppet? Probably not, because he spins all day long with it. But he's just looking at photos, and yes, to just to, I'm sure you guys have a bunch of questions, but yes, he believes the gorillas you go to see at the zoo are not real. There are people in suits. He believes that there is a job, which I would love. I would love that job. I would love that job. To be a man in a suit, in a gorilla suit, and you would just walk around and eat bananas all day long. He thinks that that's not real when you go to the zoo, but I don't know what he thinks about cats and dogs and birds, right? Animals that we see on a regular basis that we interact with on a regular basis. Bats, right? When's the last time you saw a bat? Those might be fake. He does all this stuff. Most of these are observation-based conspiracy theories that he talks about, and this one might be one of his laziest ones yet. Listen, I get it. Putting out content can be difficult over a period of time. And when you make your bread and butter on saying stuff, insane stuff like monkeys don't exist, and those videos do really, really well, you have to start looking for you have to start looking for other stuff to not exist to keep your viewers happy. His his channels aren't monetized. I don't know I don't even know if he has a Patreon or a PayPal or anything like that. I don't I mean for all I know he's independently wealthy. I, I'm not for sure. 
Or maybe he just has a day job. He works at a zoo. He works at a zoo. He's like, ah, time to go to work. Puts on a gorilla suit. I'm like, no, I was wrong all along. He was the insider. But yeah, so I mean, he just kind of, that's where he makes his bread and butter is saying stuff doesn't exist. It clearly does. This is an interesting one. Now he's trying to convince me something that never exists. <laughs> that doesn't exist, exists. He's, he's switching it up. I mean, I got to say that. But his videos are just boring. And Hans Wormhat, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. You could put a little more pizzazz in it. His newest theory, where he's trying to convince us something that isn't real, was actually real. So bizarre. What a twist ending, right? Is that steampunk, the science fiction genre that basically says during the Victorian era, technology both froze in the steam engine phase and advanced rapidly at the same time. In real life, you know, you have steam engines on your trains. In steampunk, you'd have steam jetpacks. Incredibly painful. <laughs> the most painful jetpack ever invented. Ah! Steam jetpacks, steam-powered guns that somehow shoot better than a regular gun, steam-powered robots, which we actually, you know, we were experimenting with a lot of steam-powered stuff, but you see this mostly in Victorian-era England and then the American West, and we saw that in the television show, and, and it was more exaggerated in the movie, The Wild Wild West, the movie with Will Smith and uh, the other guy, Kevin Klein. yeah. I saw it on an opening day, first showing. I was such a big fan of the old television show, Wild Wild West, I go, Will Smith? And one of my favorite TV shows growing up. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> it wasn't. If, you know, if you've never seen that movie, it's absolutely atrocious. It's so bad. But anyway, steampunk, we have it in Victorian era England and the American West. <laughs> Every time I think about steampunk in the American West, I just remember that awful movie. Anyways, this is his evidence. This is his evidence that steampunk was real. It, there's, there's not any, but... He is looking at a list of inventions from legitimate inventions from the Victorian era. He was pointing at inventions like the fax machine. The fax machine, they had a rudimentary model back in the 1800s, late 1800s. He goes, that shouldn't exist. So steampunk was real. You're like, what? And then he goes, the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> You're like, what? what? There's not even any steam in the Eiffel Tower. And he goes, I don't know. I'm on for sure. But it's possible that the Eiffel Tower wasn't built. They found it. You're like, what? Wait, what, what, again? what does any of that have to do with steam? He also says this. This was an interesting thing. He goes, steampunk today is fake. But real steampunk back in history was real. The steampunk we see today is exaggerated on purpose. So when we look back in time and see real steampunk, we go, that's not steampunk. Steampunk is this guy with the costume with all of the gears, and he has, like, the cane that has gears on it, and his coffee has little gears floating around on it. That's, ste that's steampunk. That old-timey technology is not steampunk. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's the equivalent of saying Star Trek has spaceships in it, and that's science fiction. So a space shuttle that we built is not science fiction, which would be true. It's, it's not fiction. It's real. They gave a fake version of space, which he doesn't believe space exists. This would just blow his mind anyways. But they give you a fake version of spaceships 
So when you see a real spaceship, like a space shuttle or a rocket, you go, that's not a spaceship. A spaceship is an X-wing fighter. I mean, it's just, this doesn't make sense. I don't know. I it, See, here's the interesting thing about this conspiracy theory. I think he came up with the title first and realized it was a catchy title. People love steampunk. Some people love steampunk. Not people who watch the Wild Wild West, but some people love steampunk. And he came up with a killer title and then he had to... Maybe I'm giving him... I mean, he's not monetized, so it's not like he gets any like real benefit from having a video with a ton of views other than like an ego trip, but... It, it, this one was probably his laziest one he's ever done. And it sounded interesting. But let's look at a couple of other, his other claims. He said, first off, real steampunk today is fake steampunk. It never existed. But old-timey technology that actually did exist is steampunk. Whether or not it used steam at <laughs> all, oh, that was steampunk. Okay. He also says that it's possible. He was a little... He, he wasn't for sure. It's possible that we found the Eiffel Tower, that it, someone else had built it. And then one day, a bunch of French people walked into France for the first time and said, oh, that looks nice. Left it there. He also says, you know, the photographs of people. He says photographs of people, right? He has a conspiracy theory about photographs as well. For old cameras, you would have to sit there still for a long period of time because of the way that the technology was, it wasn't so instant. It would actually have to burn the image onto the film or soak it in, however you want to put it. Then he goes, look, at there's this chair. There's a picture of a chair that actually had like a rod and a thing that would clasp onto the back of your neck. So you could sit perfectly straight for, say, a half hour, however long it takes for this photo to be taken. So you wouldn't be all slouching. You're all blurry the whole time. Ah. He goes, that is not what that chair was used for. He said that if you went back in time, and let's say you went back to Victorian era London, this place of this supreme steam-powered technology, it was a wasteland. There was nobody there. And if you went to Paris, birthplace, literal birthplace, because it just sprung out of the earth of the Eiffel Tower, there's no one there. Very, very small populations, maybe one-tenth or less than what history tells us. And the reason why photographers used corpses to take pictures of people, which there are death photos of people, but he's saying that when you look at an old-timey photo, it's actually a dead person. All of them, all of them apparently, so they could fake that they had larger populations than they actually did. Who is doing this? Why? Why not just tell people, one, that we don't have a bunch of people here, but like if everyone had less people than we thought, if every city had this, then that would be normal and no one would think it was weird. But who's doing this conspiracy theory? Is it a modern day conspiracy theory because they're trying to lie about the past? Is it something they were doing back then? Like what... I just realized I'm about to ask what was the point, but I'm asking Hans Wormhat. Apparently, it was a way to fake a huge population center because you could go, hey, I want to invade France. There's only like eight people here. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We know it looks like that. But look at these photos. And then like some German generals like, wow, dude, that's a bunch of photos. I guess there's thousands of people living here that I can't see. They're all getting their photo taken right now. We'll leave. 
he starts to talk, and I will give Hans Wormhat credit for this. He starts to talk about the mud flood, which is where the... I know I keep kind of saying, oh, he says that the Eiffel Tower is right there. I, that is based on the mud flood theory that there was a previous highly advanced civilization in this area, or really all over the world, and then a giant wall of mud destroyed most of their culture and pretty much all of those people. And what we know of humanity today is fairly recent, like late 1800s. I did a really good episode. It's one of my favorite episodes as far as like research goes and just the topic in general. If you want to know more about the mud flood and the science behind that theory, how that worked out. But he go. it's interesting because Hans Wormhat goes, he'll mention it. He'll be like, but I don't really know if that is true. He's not gullible in that sense. He's not someone who just devours media and goes, space is fake. Yeah, I mean, that is dumb and it's dumb to think that space is fake. But I will give Hans credit. I think that he... One, I think he believes it. I don't think he's a grifter at all. And then two, he hears all this other stuff and he does discard dumb things. He doesn't discard all the dumb things, but he does discard some of them. This video, he was like, yeah, Mud Flood, maybe. He just thinks there might have been a huge reset. And even with the Eiffel Tower thing, he goes, I'm not for sure on this, but it's possible they found the Eiffel Tower, that it was built by some previous civilization. Interesting. He then talks, he kind of wraps it up by revealing that one day he went underground in his university. He went to the catacombs of his university. He was on a tour. He found out his university was powered by steam, and that blew his mind. That blew his mind that people use steam power today. Okay, I mean, it's a neat fact, I guess, but we still use steam power, bro. And we're not steampunk either. We're not steampunk either. You can use steam power and not be steampunk. He did have, and then we'll wrap it up like this. It, it, this, it might sound like I'm kind of bouncing from topic to topic. Welcome to Hans Warm Hat. He does, this one I, I will say I did find interesting. This, well, all of it I find interesting, but as far as like a conspiracy theory go, I thought this was interesting, and I'm sure there's a simple answer to it. He's talking about the reset, right? The possible reset, that humanity was moving in one direction, and then it came to a complete stop, and then we are living on the remains of that. We're walking around. All the world fairs with all these beautiful pieces of architecture, that was all from the previous civilization. They go, oh no, we built this in 1910 for the world's fair. They're lying. That's part of this mud flood thing, this mud flood theory, this Great Reset theory. I do, do they call it the Great Reset? Because I know there's a new conspiracy thing called the Great Reset about eating bugs. But the re the Great Reset, when I'm saying that, I'm meaning this old Great... Okay, this is just going to get confusing. We'll just use mud flood as a, as a descriptor. But anyways, so there was this massive, highly advanced civilization that somehow was so advanced they could build these wonders all over the world, but wasn't advanced enough to stop mud... And it killed them all and wiped out most of humanity. Again, in the 1800s, we've had cataclysms throughout our very short time on planet Earth. But this all happened in the late 1800s, according to this theory. So all of these great monuments that we see. When you walk into a city and you see like this very, very old-looking building, then everything else is a state-of-the-art skyscraper. That old building wasn't built in the 1800s and then was reserved as a historical monument and you're not allowed to tear it down. That's not what happened. That build, all the buildings in that area used to look like that, which was true. And the mud destroyed all of them, but that one. And then all of the sparkling cities are humanity rebuilding after the mud. <laughs> I mean, again, it's so, I, it's so interesting. I'm surprised they didn't start. If they started this conspiracy theory out to say it happened in the 1600s, 
be, might be more plausible. I'm not saying that walls of mud move just at different time periods, but anyways, late 18, I feel like I'm losing the plot. I actually don't have time to talk about the story that St. Strand actually recommended to me. He didn't recommend this portion of it. This was supposed to be a very, this honestly was supposed to be like five minutes long, five, ten minutes long before we got into this other story, but it does dovetail into this. We'll save that for Monday's episode, but Mud Flood grand architecture like washington dc the obelisk i think those are also pre there's photo here's the interesting thing you go but jason there's photos of these buildings being built well those photos are fake by the way you didn't know that all those photos were fake but but let's get to the part that i thought was interesting i'm sure there's a reason behind this he goes why is it that you we can go back in time and we can look at a king like henry the eighth or Louis the Fourteenth, but today there's not a Henry the Sixteenth or a Louis the Thirtieth. Mudflood is the answer. <laughs> you didn't know Mudflood that these families were destroyed. These families were wiped out. So people are like, "Oh no, Henry the Eighth. He died in that mud." What am I going to name my baby? Oh, I guess it's just Henry the First because that Henry died. I wanted him to be Henry the Ninth. He says, what happened to these lineages? What happened to these family names? They got wiped out. They got killed. And so they had to start over. Now, I don't... <laughs> Here's the thing. I did think that was interesting. I go, oh, that's interesting. And then once I said it out loud, I thought all eight Henrys weren't alive at the same time. They would just still have named him Henry the Ninth. Right? <sighs> But I'm I'm sure, like, wasn't the problem with Henry VIII that he kept having girls? He didn't couldn't have a a boy, so that actually would probably be why there's not a Henry the Ninth, right? He couldn't have a little boy. He had a bunch of little girls, if I remember correctly, or no kids, right? Just chopping people's heads off the whole time. But <laughs> that's my version of history. Henry VIII was walking around with a battle axe. But yeah, I guess that would be the answer to that. Is once I said it out loud, I thought if you had Louis the Fourteenth, and there might have been a Louis the Fifteenth for all I know, but I'm American royalty means nothing. You have a Louis the Fourteenth, and then he has a son Louis the Fifteenth, and he has a son Louis the Sixteenth, and then no kids or only little girls, and then there are no more Louis. So that would explain that. I think by saying it out loud, I kind of figured it out. But yeah, that's the theory. Like, is it possible that steampunk was real, but the steampunk of today is made exaggerated on purpose? So if you saw steampunk from the past, you would go, that's not steampunk. That's just ordinary technology that's been invented. (laughs) But if there wasn't a steampunk genre today, when you looked into the past, you would go, wow, they had a fax machine back then? Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, when I read... Because a long time ago, I was doing research for that conspiracy iceberg topic, 1800s Internet. And there's the 1800s Internet is actually a book that was published. It's not a super obscure topic. I'll put some information in the show notes about it. But it's the idea that technology in the 1800s was more advanced than we give them credit for. Not more. I mean, it's readily available in history books. We can see articles about stuff and prototypes, drawings of prototypes and stuff like that. And we know that they had working models of this stuff. 
But he's looking at that. He discovers that, and he goes, oh, this means that steampunk is real. But this is, again, like I said, he believes in what he talks about, and he probably does believe that steampunk was real, and dead people were propped up in photographs to make it look like England had this massive empire when really it was just like 10 guys in a boat. He probably does believe that, but this video <laughs> on the Hanzo meter, on the Hanzo meter, this might be his laziest video yet, which, I mean, could mean that Hans is ready to hang up the hat. He actually did retire uh, last year, I think. He said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And then he had a dream. A gorilla came to him in a dream, and he goes, you must you must continue to expose the truth. But yeah, on the Hanzo meter, I would give it five gorillas. Five gorillas out of 15. <laughs> out of 15 gorillas, one for each Louie. I'd give it a five. Five gorillas. It's just nonsense. And I love looking at conspiracy theory nonsense, but I, I, I feel like he's kind of given up. Five out of 15 gorillas is what you've earned for this video. You can do better, my friend. I know that you can do better. However, I say that, but in the back of my mind, I always remember he has, a, he's part of, this is actually a really popular conspiracy theory that other than a very, very select group of people, all men are women and all women are men. And they call it transvestigation. This is a very, very popular conspiracy theory that is blowing up. There are whole YouTube channels and podcasts and websites dedicated to this. It's just a photo of a man. <laughs> someone going, that's a woman. And a photo of a woman and someone going, that's a man. But again, they don't, they know they're of the select. They're the pure bloods. They are what they are. Hans Wormhat is a man, but according to Hans Wormhat, I'm a woman because I'm overweight, and men never get overweight. It's again, <laughs> Jason, that's a really, really bizarre conspiracy theory to tack on at the ending. That conspiracy theory is what kept getting his YouTube channels yanked. Like, he was just getting deleted off of YouTube. That's really blowing up conspiracy theory, and I think it's just kind of, it, that's the most boring, right? I obviously don't have time to talk about the other story, but it involves what we just talked about steampunk lost media and possible proof that there truly was an ancient powerful empire on the borders of Europe that was so powerful they not only had to be wiped off the earth but every mention of their name across any form of media had to be destroyed But we'll get to that episode on Monday. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>